Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 154 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about Bungonia National Park with a focus on the five main walks contained within the park. Now, I think when these walks were named, it was probably early enough on in the days of New South Wales National Parks uh, that imagination wasn't required. So the five tracks that are well identified are the yellow track, the orange track, the green track, the red track and the white track. Each of these tracks, uh, which are clearly marked by signage that reflects the colouring, um, all offer different experiences and different views down into the gorges below. The focus of today's episode is going to be on the red track, uh, and we will be listening to recordings that we undertook uh, while we were doing the walk itself. At the end of this episode, uh, we'll also provide a very brief overview on the other tracks that are available uh, and who should look at doing them. This is an excellent national park and one that I'd wish I'd visited beforehand. Um, and I think it's it's well worth uh, the experience to go to. And given that Canberra's main national park uh, and a lot of the national parks in northern New South Wales are out of action uh, due to the fire, this park remained relatively untouched by fire, uh, so is, is seeing a very large upswing in visitation from what it normally does. Have a listen to this episode, see what you think about the red track and whether you've got the experience and the commitment to go through and do this track, uh, but also consider whether the other tracks, which are less difficult uh, and more suited to the majority of hikers, are well worth a visit. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. It's Tim and Jill from Australian Hiker. It's Saturday morning. Uh, it's around about zero degrees and we're back at Bungonia National Park, just near Goulburn, New South Wales. Uh, and we've come up for the weekend to do some camping and to do the remaining four main walks that are identified in this park. Today, or this morning in particular, we are going to attempt the red track, which is the most difficult of the tracks. Uh, it's under four kilometres in length, but they recommend allowing about five to six hours to complete uh, because it is uh, a steep descent, a steep ascent, and also having to pick your way through large boulder boulders down the base. So we'll see how we go on that and, and see what the walk's like. Yeah, it's about zero degrees at the moment, um, uh, cloudless sky, so we're hoping for a beautiful day. Uh, it's looking pretty good at the moment. Um, probably doesn't feel too cool, um, but it definitely is warming up. You can already feel it starting to do that. Okay, so we're just going to um, do the last minute preparation and then we'll head off. At least we do have a sunny day. There was some rain earlier in the week and this is our concern whether it's been too much but we think we're okay and the uh, the bottom of the, uh, the the gorge won't be too wet uh, but we'll see how we go talk to you later on today 
We're 20 minutes into doing the red track, um, and we just had to. I had, had to stop and take off my uh, <laughs> my jacket. I was just getting way too hot. Um, the trail is fairly easy to follow. Uh, it's well worn, so you know that you are on the trail. Uh, there are enough other little red uh, trail marker tags that are red reflective squares uh, so far, so you're not going to have an issue going off track. One thing we have noticed is there are a, a, a few switchbacks, not many, uh, as we come down the hill, and people have actually cut across them, uh, and it's become really obvious, and these are points where you get erosion on the trail uh, and starting to get a lot of damage caused to the trail. So while it does save a bit of time, uh, you know, if you're lucky, 10, 15 seconds uh, to cut across the switchback, uh, you are doing a lot of damage. So stay to the mark trail. Yeah, I think, and also um, it's not just... Uh a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of uh, time saving. Um, it's actually much steeper um, down those uh, cutoffs or cut downs. Uh, so the switchback is a, a much uh, e- easier route to take. Having said that, we've just uh, done a bit of a scramble down um, a bunch of um, rocks and ledges. Uh, not too bad so far, but uh, I think it's a bit of a statement of what's to come. Just as we start heading down and towards the valley, it's really obvious. And again, we're probably, uh, you know, 10 minutes ago, there was a lot of bird life around. Uh, and even now, I probably can't hear it in the background of this recording, but there is a lot of birds chirping in the background. Uh, the landscape is very different from up on the top of the plateau. It's much greener, it's much lusher, uh, and I would expect for a lot of the life that we didn't see on the green track a few weeks ago to be in this valley. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, but uh, yeah, the sun's come out, and even though it's probably not even five degrees yet, <laughs> um, it's a bit of effort coming down the hill, and we're certainly noticing it. Uh, I had to get my hiking poles out. Normally, I do use them going downhill, um, and certainly it was enough to... Uh, it was steep enough that the hiking poles make a big difference on this track. It's just past 9.30 uh, and we've reached the floor of Bungonia Gorge and we're in what is now called Slot Gorge. Uh, this is the... It, it is essentially a dry riverbed or a dry creek bed, which means if you've had heavy rain a few days beforehand uh, or you're getting heavy rain at the, at the point in time, you really can't do this walk. So it really is a dry weather uh, sort of walk. We had some rain earlier in the week, uh, but it was only fairly light. And there's a bit of rain down the bottom here, but just in puddles, so it's not too bad. Moving average has taken us, uh, we're moving at around about 1.3 kilometres per hour, just to give you an idea of, uh, of how slow going oh, it is. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not a big distance. I mean, really, we've only, uh, only covered just a bit over 1.3 kilometres. And uh, it's more about, it's steep. Uh, there's a section of rope there you have to hang on to. Uh, the ground can be, um, the rocks aren't shiny, but they're all those, that smooth, uh, sort of appearance that don't have a lot of traction in them so it's you do have to sort of move slowly as you're going down we actually passed a group of about six guys who had started the walk in the other direction uh, and we're, they'd started about 6.30 this morning uh, and they were just finishing off uh, we met them sort of coming halfway down the hillside yeah we're not quite sure whether or not they've um, 
uh, gone the way that uh, is the better way. So a steep climb at the end and a and a gentle uh, downward slope at the beginning. Uh, we've got the sleep steep descent at the beginning, and ho- hopefully it won't be too hard at the end. But who knows? We'll see how it goes anyway. It might be just as bad either way. Um, But certainly on the information sheet provided by the park, they recommend that you go the way we came, uh, which is doing it uh, clockwise. Um, So uh, we'll see what the reasoning for that as we get to the other end of it. There's a little bit of um, loose rock underfoot, so you have to be really careful um, uh, with your footing. And uh, we're just... uh we're just watching some bird life at the moment. So just Spe- specifically a male lyrebird. Uh, so I'll just hand over to Jill while I take some photos. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of a display. He doesn't seem to be worrying us too much, or, or worrying about us, I should say, too much. Uh, just scratching around in the dirt, looking for something to eat, no doubt. And uh, yeah, it's still going on. So uh, hopefully Tim will get some good pics. Um, from now, the walk, again, which is less than four kilometres long, but it's taken us an hour to do 1.3 kilometres. Uh, from now, we're going to be picking our way through this dry riverbed, um, and uh, we've got to find the exit point, uh, which is um, basically uh, at the end of the main rock area, so we've got to keep an eye out for that. Talk to you later. It's 10.30 and we've just come towards the end of the main gorge or the main canyon and we're starting to come out into the open at the moment with hillsides on our left and right. Now the thing we've got to work towards finding is the pathway up the hill. Uh, we know where it is marked on the map, but trying to see if it's marked or signposted uh, like it is up the other end. We'll see how we go. The big boulder field is, is exerting and so far it's been the hardest part of the whole walk. Uh, we'll see what the rest of it's like and what the up, uphill ascent's like. It's almost 11 o'clock. We've just stopped for a uh, a short break. We've pretty much gone through the last of the really big boulders. That we, you know, the things that are about four or five metres tall and, and the same sort of width as well. Um, we got to a stage where it wasn't so obvious which way we should go. And you really have to sort of have a look around, look at the alternatives, look at the options, and then look at, if you get to where you think you're going to, where the next step is. Um, so we had a couple of false starts where we moved down and thought, okay, we've got too big a drop, so come back again, go underneath some of the boulders, uh, go around. Uh, a few of the times we're actually sliding down a, a smooth boulder on our backsides. Thankfully, it's sort of got a bit of a grip on it. Uh, but it's uh, it is certainly physically difficult and demanding. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, in choosing the course, I think the the um, the principle is pick pick uh, the best one out of a bunch of really ordinary ones. Some of them are pretty bad, and and even the best one isn't necessarily ideal. So this is you know as they say on the signage, this is a tough. Uh, hike and a big scramble over and around these boulders. Um, They do say around, but I think for us at the moment it was mostly over. But uh, anyway, uh, obviously they shift um, with weather and, and, you know, with big uh, flash floods and those sorts of things. So um, I don't know, maybe we're just experiencing something that's a little bit difficult than normal. Or maybe this is normal, I don't know. (laughs) 
So now we're sort of into the things that are only around about two metres in height, uh, yeah. a metre and a half, two metres in height. So, uh, and the trees have sort of started to appear, the, um, the she-oaks uh, along the, uh, the watercourse. Uh, there are some, where we're sitting at the moment having a break, there is a uh, uh, water in the riverbed. Um, uh, and this would have been the result of the rain uh, last Sunday and Monday. Um, and I don't know how long it's going to stay, uh, but certainly uh, we've had such a long dry period. Uh, I think a lot of the water would have either soaked in or by the time it got down to the bottom of the valley, there wasn't a huge amount left. But I can see what can happen potentially if um, you get some really heavy rains or periods of long rain uh, that you wouldn't be able to do this walk. Um, it's still enjoying it. Uh, we haven't got to the uphill bit yet, and that's our next task: is to uh, look for the, uh, the the path uphill, which is fairly shortly from where we are now. So we're paying attention to both signs and worn trails, because where there have been hikers come through, there is a definitely a very obvious worn trail. And even in the riverbed, you can see areas that have been flattened down by footsteps. Yeah, and I think even, um, you know, looking for rocks that are a little bit dirtier than the other rocks, that's, that's um, uh, a bit of a sign that we've noticed as well. OK, uh, having a bit of a short break and we'll press on. It's just on 12 o'clock. Uh, we've been sitting at the start of the ascent point for probably about 10 or 15 minutes just having lunch just catching our breath and just catching up on social media one of the things with this walk and, and this is probably like any walk when you when you do it for the first time you know you can do all the reading you can do all, watch all the videos but until you actually do it in real life it's a bit hard to pick where you're supposed to be going in some respects and i had a good picture of the descent and the move through the big boulders, and they certainly were very hard. Um, big, big, I think, is an understatement. Yeah, these, these were things that were sort of four and five metres uh, by four and five metres dimension, and you had to either go around them, over them, underneath them to get down the, uh, the dry riverbed. Um, we eventually made our way down, and sometimes it really is a matter of picking a route that suits and then making sure that your next step from getting around one boulder makes sense. So, you know, we, a couple of times we went, went around one and the next step wasn't really that easy. So we had to go back and, and then find our way, a different pathway to work out where we were going. Once we got out of the big boulder field, I think the hard thing for us was trying to work out where the exit back up the hill was. Worst case, we would have kept on walking for about two and a half kilometres and ended up at the Shoalhaven River uh, and following the white path back to the, the trail, but that wasn't our plan and it would have been a hard walk. Um, so we were keeping an eye out and we came across two warning signs on the opposite side of the river uh, which warned uh, of explosive work at the quarry at certain times of the day during the week. And we knew that once we'd gotten past the second one that we needed to start looking for the exit up the hill. Now we'd gotten past the second one but we just had that doubt in our mind about whether we'd actually gone too far and I think one of the telling things is um, on the map, and I'll show this in images uh, both on the YouTube video and on the written write-up of this podcast, there's a bend in the river that's almost a right angle, and that's where your turn is. If you go past that bend, you've gone too far. 
there is another warning sign which you're approaching from the back um, so that's a really big obvious sign to keep an eye for out for uh, and then you've got a very sharp incline a scramble up the hill to start your ascent back up again so I think having the map is, is definitely critical uh, just so you know what you're looking for and, and that made sense to me that as soon as I saw the bluff and the river turning right hand uh, almost at a 90 degree angle it made sense that we were getting towards where we needed to be but there was that nagging feeling of oh have we gone too far have we gone too far yeah, I think uh, we, we saw a, a couple on the other side of the river, so we'd been um, zigzagging backwards and forwards, and um, uh, given there's a bit of water, not a lot of water, but uh, you do find that you traverse the river a little bit, um, and uh, anyway, they they uh, pointed us in the right direction and said that the... Um, the ascent uh, path is not too far down but you know we were looking out for it I think now we're here now it's obvious um, you know I think we'd probably um, be a little bit more comfortable if we were going to do this again yeah, so I think, as I said, normally we don't pretend to review walks that are this short, but given the difficulty of this walk, um, yeah, this is, this is mammoth for a uh, for a, a podcast, or sorry, for a walk that is only less than four kilometres long, this is about as difficult as it gets, um, and it definitely does push you physically. You want to make sure you're a fit bushwalker and hiker, uh, and you definitely do not want to have young children, which is the warning from the national parks. Okay, we're just going to have a few more minutes break and then start making our way uphill. Well, we made it back alive. Uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, we finished the red track in Bungonia. Um, my GPS, which is set in a, a fairly fine setting now, is telling me it's 5.75 kilometres, whereas I think the official uh, distance is around about 3.8, somewhere around there. Uh, and I think, you know, if, it was, if you're doing it in a straight line, maybe, but given that you're having to weave backwards and forwards quite often across the, uh, uh, the, um, the, the gorge bottom, um, it's not surprising. Uphill uh, all the way back from the river uh, until we joined in with the, uh, uh, the green and white track circuit, which is, up, uh, which is relatively flat up the top. Um, and I must admit, I mean, you know, it was just as difficult coming up as it was going down. Given that the parks wanted, want you to do this in a clockwise direction, we had a thought about why that was. And I think, you know, you're starting off on a creek bed and you're working your way downhill until you start coming back up the hill uh, again towards the car park. And you've got some very large boulders to go over. And there was a number of them we were sliding down on our backsides. Um, going the other way would be much more difficult. Not impossible, uh, because, I mean, people do do it. Um, but I think the, the clockwise direction is definitely the way to go. Um, but, yeah, we made it back. All, all done for <laughs> this morning's walk, because we've still got one more short walk to do after this later today. Yeah. Look, I think uh, if, if I wasn't so tired, it would have been a delightful walk back up that hill. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely the legs and arms are a bit bit like jelly at the moment. And uh, uh, fortunately, our next one's only about a kilometre and a half. So 
after we put the tent up, we might have recovered a little bit and we'll be right to go again. Okay, so that was our series of recordings from the Red Trail. Uh, and we just wanted to go through now and provide a bit of background information for you uh, and talk about a, a few logistical uh, issues relating to this track. The first thing I need to say is um, uh, if you haven't already done so, please go through and read the written write-up for this track. Uh, the New South Wales Park Service really place a lot of warnings on this track. They're saying it's for experienced hikers only, people who are experienced with off-track navigation, have first aid ability, uh, and also be aware that um, uh, you uh, uh, need to uh, uh, be able to navigate across the base of the the the, uh, the actual um, gorge itself, which we'll talk about in a minute, and it's not recommended for young children. Uh, and I think that gives you an indication of what it's like. It's 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 a grade five uh, as far as the Australian grading system is concerned. Uh, and for such a relatively short walk, um, you know, as I said, we were travelling at, at a pace of about 1.3 kilometres an hour, which is pretty slow for what we usually do when we're walking through through bushland. Um, you know, it's a it's a hard walk. There's no doubt about it. Um, so have a look at that, have a look at the, um, all the photos and it'll give you a, a much better idea. And we're also hoping to release a, uh, a YouTube video, uh, in the next few days as well. Now, at the start of uh, this podcast, we made the comment about we were going to attempt this track. And from my perspective, I'd read the warnings, I'd had a look at what was written about this area and I... We actually caught up with the ranger the next day after we'd done this track. Uh, he said that it had 18 rescues over the last 12 months, and this was during a period where the park was actually closed <laughs> through for uh, uh, because of COVID and, and bushfires. So that was, that was a reasonable number of rescues. And while he didn't say all of them, he said there was a fair number of those to do with the red track. Yeah, and when he was talking about that 12-month period, he said that they'd been closed for about six of those months. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's a lot. And, and if you do need to get rescued out of this, there's no way they can get a helicopter in there. Somebody physically has to walk down and carry you out. Oh, uh, and it wouldn't be something I'd wish on anybody. Um, so, as I said, we we were pretty confident we would be able to do this track. Um, one thing I wasn't 100% clear on was the level of water at the bottom of the track. And they do actually warn that if it's been if it's heavy rain while, you, while you're trying to do the track or it's been heavy rain for the last few days, uh, you're probably best off skipping it because the gully, it, it, you are essentially walking down a dry riverbed um, and uh, you, know, you really need to, to look at the weather conditions. If it's been raining steadily and heavily, pick another time to do it. Yeah, and the reason is there's just nowhere else to go. I mean, the the sides of the gorge are very, very steep, so there's not much of a bank Um if, if there's water, particularly at the upper end, um, then it's going to be moving pretty fast um, and there's probably going to be a lot of it. So, yeah, avoid it. <laughs> one, one other comment that I made at the start of the walk was that it was under four kilometres in distance. And I think the actual park service actually saying it's about 3.8. Uh, my GPS measured this at 5.8. 
Uh, and I, as I said, I think um, some of the distances on some of the park walks are a bit out of date. But I also think that you, you are crisscrossing and weaving away, not in a straight line. So that's the, the that would explain a lot of what our measurement was from the GPS. Um, uh, I had a second GPS that was actually giving me a higher figure. So you know the figure that I had, which was reasonably accurate, um, ended up being as five point eight. Yeah, and I think um, you, you really, if I can describe it in this way, you're picking your way down the gorge is what you're probably doing, finding um, the best route out of a whole bunch of possibly ordinary routes <laughs> that you might want to travel. Now, the recommendation from um, the, the map that you pick up at the uh, when you go through and sign in on what your trip intention is uh, actually goes through and uh, gives you the direction of travel, and that is clockwise. Now, on the day that we did our walk, there was probably an even number of people that were going anti-clockwise. Uh, but as we mentioned through the podcast, you're going uphill on a river or creek bed, uh, and you know, and there are a number of boulders we were sliding down uh, that you wouldn't have had access to do that going the opposite direction. So while it is possible, uh, and while there's nothing stopping you from do it, doing it that way, um, I would actually suggest doing the uh, the clockwise direction rather than the anti-clockwise. Yeah, and when we say uphill, I mean it's not this you know huge steep incline, um, but it is a creek running into essentially a river so there's got to be a slope of some kind and you know going down the slope even if it's a small one I think is going to be a bit of a, a more of an advantage. When we started off the walk I, um, I wasn't worrying about the tracking poles I was thinking well I only need those on the way up but it didn't take too long for me to get the poles out. My knees aren't a big fan of going downhill and some of the, the downhill slopes were reasonably steep. There were a couple of short sections of scree, which doesn't bother Jill or I, but I know from talking to a lot of hikers, it's not their favourite sort of surface. Uh, and if there had been some rain without it being heavy, uh, it would make it reasonably slippery. Um, so it's the sort of thing that um, I would strongly recommend you take tracking poles on this walk. Uh, it will just make the, the whole process much easier. Yeah, and I used my uh, poles most of the way, I probably should have put them away uh, in the creek bed. Um, so that's something I would do next time. I, I wouldn't bother with them uh, in the creek bed. I'd just uh, tuck them away and use them at the beginning of the end. Um, so we got down to the bottom of the uh, uh, the canyon, and I think at the start of this I said the slot gorge. It's actually slot canyon is, is the correct term for it. Uh, and really that's just a – you've just walking through – uh, a, a short section of a few hundred metres where you've just got sheer walls going straight up from the ground. It's stunning, so, absolutely um, stunning. Yeah, and that's the that's the photo I'm using for the cover image for this walk. Uh, and there's also a couple of other photos that I show in there, which just shows, shows how steep the walls are. Um, bird life amazed me. Um, it, it the the top of the plateau in Bungoni is very dry and sparse, and it's a very open sort of forest uh, with very little under vegetation. Uh, but you get down into the uh, gorge itself, uh, which is where there's a lot more moisture in there, uh, and it's a lot lusher. So the, the the descent going down 
the, the foliage was a lot lusher. Uh, there was a lot of um, grass trees down through there. Uh, and then it changed almost as we got down towards the bottom before opening up into an open sort of um, uh, canyon space on the bottom. Um, animal life, uh, didn't see any animals apart from the lyrebird. Uh, and as I said, every lyrebird that I've ever seen, as soon as it sees a hiker or a walker, they shoot off and run away. Uh, we were just sitting there and this black male lyrebird was wandering around, not that far behind us, looking for food, didn't have a care in the world that we were there. And, and obviously uh, people do this, this walk on a regular basis. So it was quite surprising. Uh, and we've got a, a short video of that in the uh, the written write-up of this uh, uh, this walk. Now, the boulder field is the real concern in this canyon. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for the boulders, it would be a difficult but relatively easy sort of walk. Um, and you start off thinking, oh, the boulders aren't too bad. You know, there are, you know, there are things that are only sort of you know, 60 centimetres, a metre sort of high, and then they progressively get bigger and bigger. And bigger and bigger. <laughs> so I think some of the biggest rocks in the, in the middle of the section would have been probably five metres by five metres by five metres, uh, and you were having to decide whether you were going to go over, around, or underneath these boulders, uh, but, you know, the small ones were fine, but the really big ones, you're having to make decisions. And it was the sort of thing where you couldn't just look one boulder ahead and say, well, I can get down from here and you may be able to and then find you're, you're, you're in the middle of a, a hole and you've got to climb back out of it again. Yeah. So you need to look at the next boulder and the next boulder from there uh, about where you're going to be going. And when we say um, underneath, um, they're not all sitting neatly upright. So there are some that are... Uh, leaning to one side so you know sc scrambling uh, get, dropping down and scrambling through um, you know decent size holes and crevices is is probably you know what we're talking about when we're saying going underneath we're not digging underneath them and then climbing through uh, they're just nat natural uh, pockets um, that you can get through and as we mentioned they weren't they weren't uh, slippery, but they had that shine to They're them. They're very shiny. Yeah. yeah. So you, you do you do definitely need a a, a decent pair of pants for this. Um, so <laughs> it's it's. I must admit, it was the sort of thing where it was. You know, there was one in particular. I thought, no, that's just a bit too steep. And if I if I go a bit too fast, I'm going to break something. So I ended up backtracking and going around. Um, ha having done that, I looked at what the my first option was, and it would have been okay but I just couldn't see that there was a, a gap or a break in the mm -hmm. middle of it. Mm -hmm. So, again, I thought I'll just play it safe and, and just choose another route. Yeah, and a couple of times I did land quite heavily. Um, so the backside is, you know, suffering a little bit um, from that. So, you know, you you make a judgment, make an estimate of um, what's going to be the best and uh, sometimes you end up a bit sore afterwards. Now, the boulder field itself is actually white, so all of a sudden you go through from you know, typical grey sort of rock and then it just turns to white. Uh, and then It's, it's very, quite beautiful. It is. If it, it, if it wasn't so hard, it would have been stunning. <laughs> uh, and, and, and some of the social media comments we had when we posted about this walk was they were so, you know, it was lovely, but we were so focused on getting through the boulders, we weren't Didn't, paying attention. So, yes, yeah, likewise. Um, we, yeah, we were a bit like that too. Um, so as you get to the edge of the big white boulders, uh, again, you have to work out how to get up off that. 
We'd started on the right-hand side. We'd shifted it to the left-hand side through the boulder field. Once we got to the edge of the boulder field, we then shifted back to the right-hand side and got ourselves out. Uh, and by that stage, we were down into what you'd class as a typical riverbed. Uh, with you know, It's still the odd boulder here and there, but a lot smaller. And you were starting to get a lot of the she-oaks, the river she-oaks, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a good indication the boulder field has officially ended. Yeah. And one thing I would say about um, the boulder field in particular, I think, you know, we probably spent a bit too much time thinking about it and, and you know, uh, uh, we we did pick our way through, um, but on reflection I think we just needed to do something, do anything almost, um, because it was really, really hard to work out the best way. So whatever way you were going to go was as long as you were heading in the, 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 the general direction of where you needed to be, that was going to be just fine. And I think the second time that anybody walks through here would be... A, <laughs> we're going to be much be, faster be, next time. <laughs> be much faster, yeah. Now, once we'd gotten past the boulder field, the concern we had was where was the ascent point? Uh, we thought, okay, we don't want to miss this. Worst case, we end up walking an extra two and a half kilometres down some difficult terrain to the Shoalhaven River. Um, and you know, then we had a very steep ascent up and we didn't particularly want to do that. Um, but there's two warning signs uh, on the left-hand side of the river. The first one is is sort of almost hidden behind tree growth, so you need to look out for it. And it's a warning sign saying there's a quarry above and at 3 o'clock approximately on a weekday afternoon, if they're going to be doing um, explosive work, that's when it's going to happen. It goes through and talks through the whole series of this is what the warning signals are. So if you're in the, the, the canyon, you know what's going to be happening a half hour beforehand. It's time to shift pretty quickly. Uh, and uh, so you, you definitely don't want to be doing this walk in the afternoon during the weekday. Um, uh, you might be okay, but it's better to be safe than sorry. So the first warning sign was a good indication that, okay, we're on the right track. Uh, and then probably four or 500 metres further down is the second sign on the left-hand side. Once you get to that second sign, that's when you start looking for the ascent on the right-hand side. Uh, and both Jill and I thought, oh, look, have we gone too far? Have we gone too far? And it was those yellow warning signs that really gave us the indication, no, we're still okay. The... Ascent wasn't as difficult to find as we thought because on the right-hand side was another warning sign facing the people if they're coming down the hill that way. So you see this large square sign at the back of it. Um, and in front of you, the river turns virtually a 90-degree turn and there's a big gorge wall in front of you. So when you see that, really it's almost impossible to go any further than that. Um, well, you can. You can follow the river around to the right, but, you yeah, know, that's it, kind of the indicator that says, you know, uh, he, here's, the, here's the point to, to look for that uh, ascent route. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was quite obvious. So when you get that right hand, and it is almost a 90-degree bend in the river, that's a good indication. Yeah, if, you, if you hit that bend, just look back a bit on the right-hand side and there's your ascent. And, and the ascent, the beginning of that ascent is is pretty sketchy. Um, uh, it's quite steep and quite narrow, so it doesn't look like an obvious trail until you get a little bit above uh, the, the creek bed. So we, after having lunch, we made our way back up, and I think in all honesty, the um, 
It wasn't as steep on the way back up, but it was much longer. I think it was probably about twice the distance, mm. and it was just continually up Punishing. all the way. <laughs> Punishing. It, it, it was. Um, so, yeah, and again, having the tracking poles is really a big benefit. Uh, it took us quite a while to get back up because uh, we were so buggered from the walk through the coming down and through the uh, the, the, the gorge itself. Uh, we were pretty stuffed by the end of the ascent back up again. So once you actually get back up on the top of the plateau, you join in with um, the white and the green walk, and we'll talk about those in a few minutes, um, and then you're back to the car park again. So all up, a really good walk. Glad we did it. It wasn't as difficult as we thought it was going to be, but it was still a really hard walk. So if you're grossly unfit, if you're a brand new hiker, I wouldn't suggest doing this as a first off hike. Build up a bit of experience before you do it. Now, recommendations-wise, uh, we talked about going clockwise, and that's the way the parks recommend doing it, and I think that's definitely a good choice. Navigation, you really don't need to know how to use a compass because if you have to get your compass out on this one, you've basically got your eyes closed. You're either going up the gully one way or down. It's more The navigation is more about picking your way through the riverbed picking your way around the boulders, uh, and it's more ab about do you have a common sense to think, do I go up, do I go around, do I go over? And sometimes that takes a bit of experience. Other times people just manage to pick that up quite quickly. Yeah, so so don't expect to see a lot of um, way signage uh, in the riverbed because there isn't very much. Um, but, you know, pretty much you're heading in one direction um, they're quite steep sides to uh, the gorge, so you know you've there's only one direction that you can head really. And um, I, you know, I think uh, a couple of times we went, oh, is this the right direction? And when you thought about it, it went, well, really, it's the only direction. So yep. you know, don't 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 ponder that too much. Um, and I think, uh, as I said, I would I would put the poles away. Um, at the bottom of the gorge and, and continue on without the hiking poles. Um, and I'm sure we'll do it much faster next time. Or, or at least we'll take in the more of the view next time. <laughs> now, the boulder field, as we said, this is where you really need to tape your time and think, don't rush, take as long as you need to. Uh, and I think, you know, if you don't pay attention if you make the wrong decision. This is where you could sprain or break an ankle or a leg if you're not careful. Um, and again, this is, this is I'm sure, where probably most people come unstuck and injure themselves uh, is, is through the boulder field. Water-wise, you can pick up water. There's a, a clean water spigot just near the inf uh, information centre. So when you sign in, you can fill up water if you need to. Uh, certainly I would expect to find water down the trail most times of the year, but I would be very much inclined to filter it if you're going to pick that water up. So it's just as easy to bring water with you. Um, a good pair of sturdy pants because you know, uh, we've, we saw a number of hikers who had, had tights on, uh, yoga tights, and they said, yeah, that was probably wasn't a good move. Uh, you'll end up trashing them if you're not careful. Good supportive footwear. Now, I had intended to wear my leather boots, uh, thinking, you know, and, the, and the, the last time I wore my leather boots was in 2016, um, and I tried them on, and my feet have actually increased in size since then. 
you know, they've done so much hiking over long distances, my feet have gotten bigger. So my lovely pair of Scarpa boots no longer fit me. Um, so they're going to have to find a good home at some point. I wore my ultra uh, trail runner shoes, um, the he- heavy duty ones, the, the waterproof ones. I actually found that flexibility a good thing. Um, they're very grippy. So that's the other thing that I liked about them, particularly on those um, big, white, shiny boulders. Yeah, and I was the same. I wore a pair of uh, heavy-duty trail runners, and they did have a reasonable bit of grip, um, which helped on the uh, on the um, uh, the large boulders as well. And the final thing as well is there's no phone signal down the bottom of the uh, the gorge, so it's not as if you can call for help. So um, we always carry a, um, uh, a emergency beacon with us, even on the short walks. And I think there's a, there's typically going to be enough people coming through that if as long as you're not the last person through on the end of the day uh, and you have filled out the trip intention book, you'll be okay. Uh, but certainly having a beacon, if you've got one, take it with you. you know, it's, just, it's just a no-brainer there. Okay, so that's the red track. Uh, we hope this has been of some help. And, and it's, as we said, it's really one of those tracks that uh, doing the research into before you walk it will give you a much better experience. We're just going to spend a couple of minutes now just talking about the, the other tracks within the park, um, and we are progressively releasing write-ups of those over the, the coming few weeks. So the red track, which we've just talked about, we've got a written version of that with photos and more information. We have also done the green track, which is probably the most heavily used track in the park. It takes you around the top of the uh, plateau, there's no real steep inclines and declines. There is some uphills and downhills, but nothing really steep uh, and provides some excellent views over the, uh, uh, the into the gorge below. Mm. Uh, there's the yellow track, which is the one we did after we did the, um, the red track. Because we were a glutton for punishment, I think. It yeah. is, yeah. And it, was, uh, it took us into um, a a side of the gorge with a lookout, which I don't think a lot of people tended to use, but it was really worthwhile going to, so good views. Um, the orange track, um, it's the shortest of the tracks, or one of the shortest of the tracks. Um, the views aren't as spectacular, but it's quite easy. The The change in, um, in elevation across the track is pretty easy, so it's an easy one to find and an easy one to get to, but not the best of the choices. Um, and then there's the white track, and there's two versions of that. The one we did was to Mount Air, which is a short walk. And in all honesty, I think there's a lovely seat there, looks down onto the Shoalhaven River, across to the gorges below. It was really worthwhile. And as a short walk, it was probably one of the best short walks that we've done for a while. There is a long version of that. You can extend that, which takes you down to the Shoalhaven River, that was originally our plan, but after having done the red track the day before, we thought, no, we're going to come up uh, another weekend in a few weeks' time when we're a bit fresher uh, because the walk out to Mount Air is relatively easy and then you've got a two-kilometre walk down a very steep and ongoing hill, which you've then got to turn around and come back up again. Yeah, and it is 
downhill for two kilometres and uphill for two kilometres. And we had great intentions of doing it when we went to Mount Eyre and we stood at the uh, the, the beginning of the Shoalhaven River track and looked out at how steep it was uh, just for the, the bit that we could see and we just went, no, 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 <laughs> no, we have to be smarter about this. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do the white, the full white track and the red track on the same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to have to walk up. Well, after if that. you're really fit, you know, if you're really fit, you might want to do that. Um, the, the thing that um, strikes me about the trails, they are, um, you know, re- relatively easy to navigate, they're well marked, they're quite narrow mostly. Um, the green track is a little bit different. It's It's got some wider bits on it. Um, but the thing that surprised me is uh, generally the narrowness and how close those narrow trails are to the drop-offs. So not necessarily a cliff but just a very, very, very steep slope on one side or another. And, uh, you know, again, if you... You, you're thinking about doing some of these um, other hikes, uh, particularly with kids. You'd, you'd want to be keeping an eye on them and making sure uh, they were staying to the, um, you know, the safe side of the track. But some of them are quite, some parts are quite narrow and they're bounded by a very steep drop-off. Yeah, so overall, I was really impressed with Bungonia National Park. Um, yeah, as I said, it, it was pretty much unscathed from the summer's fires. Um, the the ranger we talked to said they're getting a lot of visitation, more so than they normally do. Mm. Um, and I think, it, I think it's it, the place to be in New South Wales at the moment. It, yeah. it is. I think. I think given there's a number of parks that are still closed or or heavily damaged, Morton National Park, which butts onto Bungonia. Took a lot of damage, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of areas still closed off in that one. Whereas Bungonia, simply because the wind didn't blow in the particular direction, meant that it, it, it remained unscathed. So, uh, particularly if you live in central New South or, or southern New South Wales, uh, Sydney or Canberra, uh, Bungonia is a really good option. We camped overnight, uh, and the campgrounds are, are really high quality. They really, really are very good with good facilities. So. Uh, it's worthwhile making a weekend of it uh, and heading down there and doing maybe one of the longer walks and you know, and maybe one of the shorter walks as well. Yeah, and, um, you know, I'm not usually a, a fan of car camping, um, but that's what we did. We reversed up the the vehicle and, and uh, pitched our tent. Um, uh, we, we did have a nearby party going on. Um, I don't know what time it was. We were so tired that we were in bed quite early. So the, the party may have finished at a relatively normal, reasonable hour, but for us it was very, very late and very loud. So I think that's the only thing that, you know, you've got to be mindful of. Um, if, if you are in those environments, also think about others in the area as well. But um yeah, it was it was quite good, and, and you know we've been there a few times over the last uh, little while now, and um, you know it's it's becoming you know one of our favourite places. Uh, and as per usual, it is a paid campground, so you go online and book. Uh, we the weekend we went was during school holidays, so it was peak, so it cost us uh, twenty four dollars for the two of us, so twelve dollars a night. Um, uh, which is not unreason- unreasonable. So, you know, it's much cheaper than a hotel. 
Okay, we hope you've enjoyed that review of Bungonia National Park, and in particular the Red Track. Definitely if you have the experience and you're feeling like really challenging yourself physically, the Red Track is well worth considering. If you have the opportunity, please go through and give us a five-star rating on Apple Music or iTunes or the podcast listener of your choice and tell your friends about this episode and our other episodes as well. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.